0: This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure. Zero Procure takes the time to understand your business, whether in hospitality or any other industry, and do all the heavy lifting when it comes to procurement. I'm delighted that their support will keep this show accessible and free to listen to wherever you access your podcasts. Please get in touch with them for a chat, just click on the link in the show notes, or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Dan Nash, founder of brand agency 6.8 and storyteller extraordinaire. Coming up on today's show, Dan sets the scene for our chat.
1: Uh, So I would describe my path as torturous.
0: Phil brands himself in the usual way. And here it goes, start talking about weather again. I, can't, I Honestly, I'm so British, it's unbelievable. And Dan reveals that idea generation is not always sunshine and rainbows.
1: I think it horrified a lot of people, including the investors.
0: All that and so much more as Dan chats us through his journey to date. Dan's story is the epitome of what finding your why looks like, but also how important the what is within that too. But what sets this apart is that Dan talks about the challenges he's had to get to where he is, a lot of which I believe we can all relate to. He also drops some gold around branding and brand storytelling throughout, and there are so many great takeaways. We're here each week telling the stories of the amazing people within hospitality, so please don't forget to give us a like, share, and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening. It really does make a huge difference. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today, we move into the world of branding and marketing. And I'm delighted to welcome the founder of 6.8 Agency and storyteller extraordinaire. I am sure we will talk about that at some point. Welcome, Dan Nash.
1: Hey, Phil. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem at all. How's life?
1: Life is good. Um, So I I live in Margate and I've spent all year waiting for the sun to come out. And now it has. So life is good.
0: Yeah, for for reference, we're recording this on the 14th of June 2022. And yeah, summer has finally made it. After threatening to arrive on the bus and then it goes home on the train and then now it here looks, looks like it's staying for a while. And here it goes, start talking about weather again. I can't, I, honestly, I'm so British. It's unbelievable. Sorry,
1: that, that, was, that was a very British response by me as well, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Indeed. So where, where are you recording from today?
1: So I'm in my workspace um, in Margate, which a lovely space uh, overlooking the sea.
0: Excellent. Yeah, cool. How long have you been Margate, Way? Are you born and bred?
1: not at all i'm london born and bred um and i was a classic london lockdown move i came here I ah. uh, two, two years ago came for a month just to escape for london but i wasn't i had fallen out of love for london for a while but hadn't figured out how i get out and came here for a month and suddenly so that became another month and then suddenly i was like ah i think my answer lies here and uh, yeah, right. i've been very happy ever since so. a very another unexpected lockdown thing to happen but i'm very grateful for that
0: yeah cool and that well the food scene in margate as i understand it is absolutely on the move
1: it is i mean i'd say the last six months it's almost every day there's something new happening here it's really really exploded a lot yeah yeah so very interesting to see where that goes
0: fantastic yeah i actually had a a a previous guest on the show natalia ribby rib (laughs) i can't remember how it pronounced. she'll kill me for that yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's pretty prominent in that uh, down that way, and I think she's got something new, or might have even yeah. launched it already.
1: No, they're just about to. And just actually, the next to where I live, uh, another another place. So yeah, building a little Margate mini empire there. But uh, no, know Italians great. So yeah, very supportive of that.
0: No, absolutely. And I apologise for getting your name wrong again. I'm sure I did that live on the show as well. Anyway, great. Well, let's go go straight to it then and and let's get into your story. I mean, you are the storyteller, so now it's time to tell your story. Let's do it. So take us all the way back to the beginning of your career because, as we talked about before we switched the microphone on, you're kind of a late developer into hospitality, making up for it now, but we'll get to that. But I really want to kind of understand how it was that you, you your, your journey, your path, and what, what you went into and how it's brought you here. So take us back to the beginning. What was the, the first sure. job that you had?
1: Uh, so I would describe my path as torturous. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I, my issue, I'm a creative person, but I spent most of my life doing uncreative work, um, right. which caused me no small amount of pain and angst. Um, but actually in the beginning, some of my original jobs were around storytelling. I worked for a film production company. I worked in TV, theatre, um, one of the first, in the days of like one of the first YouTubes before dial-up, uh, sorry, before the uh, broadband when it was dial-up.
0: Right, what
1: And yeah. I think a lot of the issue around, I I was in these great opportunities, but I didn't have enough self-belief at the time as well. Right. And I believe that you also you could make a career out of being creative. So, sort of fast forward a few years, I spent a lot of time doing marketing stuff in the music business. A lot of sort of content, when mobile phones were exploding, and the iPhone came out. And then the last sort of stop on that slightly unfulfilling journey was uh, I was head of marketing for Napster, which sounds great, and it was an interesting job. But again, I was even more responsibility of uncreative marketing stuff,
0: right? So that's sort of. So it's more about process as opposed to actually using that creative side of your brain.
1: Yeah. And all the stuff, you know, SEO and ads and user experience and web design, which is all fine. And I was forced to get good at it, but it just, you know, there, there was a definite emptiness. And the big changing point for me was I got made redundant and was persuaded by my friends who were starting to have children then that I needed to go traveling um because and which was great advice that i still thank them for so i was meant to go traveling for two months i ended up going for five years started exploring the digital nomad life i ended up finished up in thailand i would say largely trying and failing to be a digital nomad if i'm going to be honest so i bought a lot of that stuff from before Uh, let's say a lot of that limiting beliefs and and all that crap in your head that gets worse (laughs) and worse the older you get and so, even though i you know often I was in paradise living quite an amazing life, but I was still this emptiness from not realized not fulfilling my potential and not doing enough creative stuff but where the where things changed for me was I was surrounded by all these amazing people who were traveling the world who built making good money, but building businesses they they fit their work around their life and had built businesses around their passions and who they were and suddenly it just it made it very real for me it was like actually you can't have the life of your dreams yeah but there's things you need to do and then that inspired me to I, I can come onto this like so food food and restaurants have always been a, a massive passion of mine you know the, the great thing of if I had my time again I would I would have that would have been involved from the get-go right and but it inspired me to then go and do what I love and I was again I was getting old I couldn't I wouldn't recommend this to other people to wait so long that you'll get so frustrated that you just think, right, I just have to because I can't go another minute without following my passion. And so I made it the hard decision then to come back to London and try and break it into the hospitality business.
0: So that was more about then at this point, you're, you're I suppose, having the opportunity to combine two passions, one, food and drink, and two, obviously, your your marketing creative brain around that as well so mm-hmm. it's funny you know that we talk to a lot of people about uh, how some people come late to the thing that they're supposed to do and some people like know from the age of you know 14 this is the thing for me I'm mm-hmm. and i am doing. it and I've had both types on on the show and I fo- I suppose it demonstrates to the wider world I hope is that it doesn't really matter when you find it you know as long as as long as you if you're like in your situation you were unfulfilled as long as you recognise that and you are willing to do something about it, then it's it's never too late, uh, as it were. hundred uh, percent. Because you're still a young man.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it depends on yeah, your definition of that. I've still got a bit of time. You know, there's still a bit of life left in the uh, a bit of life left there. Well, I hope it does inspire some people because it's always that thing. Like, if I knew what I knew now, and I think for me, is it, when I look back on it, it's I call it being a hater when you look at other people doing these things and you think I could do better than that, but you don't. And actually right. what I've learned is if you deep down feel that you could do that thing and you could do better then you probably could, yeah. but then the issue is it will take years and you've got to eat a lot of crap to get there on the way. But um, that was a big learning for me as well.
0: Yeah. And and also, I suppose as well, for in your situation, having to shake off the the limiting beliefs, I mean, that's quite a deep rooted thing, right? That <sighs> it, you can't just click something. Oh, no. Sometimes it takes years to kind of shake that off. Sometimes an event you know, shakes the, the 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 ground beneath you uh, in your case what was it an event or was it um was it just a series of just being frustrated for far too long that's
1: a good it's a good question um it's definitely a process i'd say it's still ongoing and actually what i've learned is it's a never-ending series of doing uncomfortable things and the more uncomfortable stuff you do and the more you put yourself out there as hard as it is, you grow that little bit more every time. And I'd say sort of for my earlier life, I just didn't, I took the short term avoiding pain approach. And this time I've been winning and put, you know, and having to get help and business coaches and communities and whatever accountability, but getting pushed to do that, to do those hard things. And so it definitely didn't happen overnight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And tough, tough, as well I suppose in in your circumstance because it, it is your own thing and so you're first of all accountable to yourself if you don't get up and do it nobody else is going to do it uh, as it were but sometimes that can be a, a really really daunting thing especially when you start out on your own about you know you become master of well you have to become master of everything and on day one you're not master of everything at all are you, you that's the comfort zone thing again you've got to keep stretching that to to get to the the position where you feel like you've got a handle on most things.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And um, I mean, just a final thing on that is I would also say the difference from doing a lot of unfulfilling work and the effect that had on me. And now even though launching this current incarnation of my business has probably been the hardest, most challenging thing that I've done from all of this is the difference in motivation when you are 100% behind and into what you're doing I you know so this is for me this is the first time that I'm like I will be broke and homeless trying to make this work you know that's how much I believe in it and yeah. it's amazing how what you're willing to then do and do those harder things and uh, yeah that that yeah. that was an interesting thing again that I wish I'd known a little bit earlier but there you go yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. so you're you're now doing something that sings to you so tell us a bit about your Your company, your focus, and kind of what, what your your successes have been so far
1: sure so i help um i help I call them obsessive food brands, and these are brands who want to make more impact on their community beyond just the product they sell, and what I do is help them turn their customers into a cult following because I believe that you can make the world a better place and make more money, and they can go hand in hand. Yeah, and over to to do this over the years, I've developed. I call it my cold brand system, which is a very unique framework based on my experiences and my frustrations with the other solutions I saw out there, and that lets anyone. Well, not I mean anyone that's really the wants, that wants that to get more love from their customers and stand out from the competition and make the world a, a better place based on based on who you are and, and your values.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing about business, right? There, I think for a, a long time there. Uh, it felt like it was just about it was profit 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 and I've talked about this on the show before uh, as well that obviously profit is massively important in business but if that's the driver for doing it then your drivers are wrong uh, the profit should be the outcome of doing everything else to the best of your ability
1: yeah I mean that's kind of what I live and die by and um, because there are people that can just say, well, look, we're smashing at the moment. We don't need any of this brand stuff or, you know, this, this story stuff. Uh, but really, there's kind of an old school attitude now because the world is changing. There is a new generation coming up who really want that. And one stat I love is that I think it was between 2017 and 2019 in America, B Corp companies grew on average by about 24%, whereas the average business grew by 3%. And for me, that's, right. that, that that really just says it all, you know. I love that yeah. it's you know it's hard work to be a B Corp, and but again, you can make money and make the world a better place, and they actually kind of work work, work together rather
0: than against yeah. each other. It's about taking the long term view, right? The um, the I uh, had Danny Peccarelli on, who is the chief exec of uh, Exclusive Hotels. They became the first hotel company in the UK to get B Corp status, and he talked about the this perception around the fact that to to do something like that, to do something for the greater good is expensive. And whilst the short-term view of that might be, yes, you might have to spend a little bit extra money on X, Y, Z here, actually what you're going to see in the medium to long-term, and you've just demonstrated that with the stats that you you kind of said as well, is that actually you'll see much better growth. And it stands to reason, right, that the as you said, quite rightly, I work in recruitment, and we have a recruitment crisis at the moment, and part of that for me is about the there's a disconnect between us understanding what the workforce want from their role and then actually implementing what they want. And part of that, uh, the generations coming through now, as you say, are very much centered around what are you doing to save the planet? Or what are you doing to make your community better? Or what are you doing to just make the world a better place? And um, if you don't get on board with that, then you're gonna get left behind pretty quickly, I'd have thought.
1: Yeah, yeah 100%. And yeah, that's all, I always say, what would happen if an exactly the same business opened next door to you tomorrow? How are you gonna protect yourself? You know, and that's probably, and that's one of the best ways that you can, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise if a business does come and open and does do those things, they're gonna still, you know, that young, that, that, all those younger generations just instantly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about the fact that you're a, a storyteller extraordinaire. I mean, I would follow a lot of your stuff, and you do talk about the importance of this a lot. Without kind of, I suppose, yeah. giving away all your deepest darkest darkest secrets as to somebody why somebody would come and retain your services to to help them. Why is storytelling for you so important?
1: Again, as I said, it's not for everyone. It's got to be for people that do actually have a story. And just to clarify, because as much as I love working in brand, there's a lot of jargon and BS around all these terms and storytelling and strategy. So for me, brand storytelling and telling a story is everything you do and everything you say to shape people's perceptions of you. So just, just to clarify, because often a lot of people think storytelling is this whole once upon a time there was a founder it's definitely a part of it that you can't. Yeah. You can't build a whole communication strategy on just telling relentless stories, as much as other people might tell you that that's what you need to do. So yeah. So it's just. Yeah, so storytelling is shaping people's perceptions and also doing things so you're not just talking about them. And it's just because ultimately it's to build that emotional connection. Like I could drown you in stats of, of how what the when customers emotionally connect to a brand all the benefits that brings to a brand they are so more likely to buy from you so more likely to buy to open new revenue streams anything you have to sell so much more likely to defend and protect you so much more likely to recommend you to others like the average millennial shares their positive experience with up to 17 people they say um but then imagine if you the more you can share your story so it's also making people look good because you can say, oh, I had a great meal, but oh, I had a great meal. But these guys are aiming to do zero waste and they look after their team and they're really into um, Asian food. you know. And then suddenly then those bits of the story start diffusing out as well. So you can control you. You have an element of control over what it says. But really, ultimately, it just comes down to the bedrock for any business is loyal users, is is your loyal customers. That's what sustainable growth is built on and your story is a key way to get that emotional connection so they stay with you for life, rather than moving to someone else that stands for more of their values. Again, just, sorry, I love stats. So another stat, they said people that leave, from people that left their brand, um, why did you do it? 90% said because the other brand shared their their outlook and values are more in line with me. So, you know, for those that think it's just about the products, I'm sorry to say it's, it's a hell of a lot more than that.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but I, I definitely don't be sorry for saying that because I think it's um it, it's absolutely critical. And I think I actually saw one of your uh, your posts. In fact, it might have been today. You, did you were on a as webinar or something like that around uh, a brand that had uh, brand. used its authentic voice to build um, uh, the, the the following, basically, and then um, they they became a legit company because they'd kind of made it. And their the tone completely changed and and as a result of that started to disconnect a little bit from the the people that they'd worked so hard to to get in the first place
1: yeah uh, thanks for reading that post. I just thought it was really interesting and i keep I, I I honestly hear this again and again for every independent founder that started to scale their business, where they say that suddenly after they start opening a few sites that suddenly there's this pressure that we have to use corporate voice and we have to remove all the personality the whole reason that people came to you in the first place. And just by, and, and that's but converse, but it's it actually then suddenly just, if they keep doing that, they, they're killing all that good work and actually they're gonna plateau. And if, this is my, my I guess the biggest principle I have is that everyone should run their pages like it was their personal page, which I know isn't always possible, but that is the driving principle is that it should be as close to your personal page. If you want to get results, if you want to get results for that time and money you're putting in. But it's just, it's interesting because to launch a food business, talking about doing uncomfortable things, means doing so many hard, uncomfortable things to to, to run a food business. But then when it comes to communicating, people suddenly, they, they just freeze up and it suddenly, this, they have this block, you know, where, where it's been, and I know it's a very human thing and I'm sure there's deep psychological reasons for it. But yeah, it's amazing how many people, and, you know, people who built these incredible businesses with a great story, then suddenly start freezing up when it comes up to sharing this and also that people are like, gagging to hear it. People want to know about this and will really want to support you and your brand, like these, these communities you've, you've spent so long building this love from and putting your heart and soul into. And it's yeah. Anyway, my mission to change that so I can talk about this forever. But
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome though. that I think a lot more people, and especially within the world of kind of founder led businesses, I'm in a founder led business myself. So, you know, you, you have to have, you have to wear many, many hats. And especially when you're, I suppose, on the one hand you want to entice people to come use your product service whatever on the other hand you have to maintain reputation so that I suppose can can lead to confusion a little bit around what that voice should sound like because if you're being too familiar perhaps in the tone of your languaging through marketing does that then come across as that you're not serious when it comes to the Mm. the business side of stuff but I think that from what i I'm hearing, and certainly from that post you, you put this morning, it's it's definitely just about maintaining authenticity, maintaining who you are uh, as a as a human and what you stand for and therefore what your business stands for as a, because it's usually an extension of uh, of the values of the, of the founder. Uh, so just make sure that you're kind of always being true to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you summed that up very well. I would say people buy your process, not the product. And by the process is everything that goes, that, sh- that every single thing. You know, if you're going to a restaurant, every single aspect that went into shaping that plate of food, from the kitchen you did stages in, to the podcasts you listened to, to the chefs that mentored you, to, you know, whatever, the magazines you read that may or may not have anything to do with food, every single one of those, no one could copy that, and that all influences, because food is creativity, and it's a creative process. Creativity comes from everywhere, and share it, because people want to know about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So um, you mentioned on your website, I believe. Let me just—I've written this down because I thought this was really cool. You're the founder of Six Eight, Southeast Asian food geek. <laughs> so I'm guessing that that came from your travelling. It, it's a good guess because that's you, you're in that area, goes, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I was. I lived in Laos, then I lived in Thailand, and I travelled a lot around the area. That took my love to the next level. But actually, it goes a lot earlier than that. So. Um, I mean, food's always been in in my blood. My grandma had a restaurant and then my parents love Chinese food. They met at a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown, which is a great origin story for me. Because actually Asian food food is such a part of my sort of personal brand. Uh, God, it's it's actually
0: part of your story.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, And at uni, I remember uh, just because we used to do a lot of Chinese food, I missed it. And I learned to sort of recreate these dishes to quite a high level. And actually, just not just but only because I have worked on my own soy. So what's really interesting is, my grandma used to salt nuke everything with salt. My mum eats with like one hand with a spoon and the other hand with salt, pour it, pouring the salt into it. And she carries an aromat sort of Swiss MSG powder because salt doesn't give her the hit she needs. And I have this very extensive soy sauce collection because it's the saltiest condiment that there is. So there's actually an interesting right. line taking me all to that. All the way through there um but then of course living in southeast asia took that to a whole other dimension and um I, it's pretty I, it's it's all i cook and i even i've started up an asian cooking club here in margate so yeah I, another thing i could talk about in great detail Fantastic. until people's eyes roll into the back of their heads
0: yeah but you know then that must then give you that extra level of passion to believe in what you're doing because you obviously clearly care about food and okay specifically more about asian food because it plays such a massive part in your life but but nevertheless you know food just in in it's who out there has not been traveling who even likes just a, you know food a little bit wouldn't class themselves as a monster foodie but who doesn't love to go to the little local restaurant and just uncover you know un, un, uncover an absolute gem of a place whether that's street food or restaurant or whatever but something that's that's just really really cool and that that's to me, one of the reasons why I love uh, hospitality because it's the traveling element is just there. It's part, it's part of the makeup of the, the restaurant. And even if you operate a series of restaurants that are local to wherever you were born and brought up, up in, I guarantee you when you go traveling, you pick up ideas, you pick up new things that you see that actually that would work well in my business. Traveling for me is essential. Like uh, the last the two years that have uh, preceded us, where we were um, a little locked down. Oh God, I was so, so happy to get traveling again last year.
1: Yeah, and then it sounds like we're the same because they're, they're the, for me, the greatest thrill in the world is just finding that when you're traveling that tiny little spot where it's just full of locals, that's totally off the grid and they do something yeah. incredible and it just costs a few quids and those are like my best memories. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Excellent. So what's, uh, what have you got your head in at the moment in terms of what's, uh, what's 6.8 up to?
1: Uh, so at the moment, I mean, just 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 plugging away. I am speaking to more. I've just done a project with um, Uwe Vegan, who's an amazing vegan brand, and I'm finding the vegan, actually, an alcohol-free space, very interesting at the moment. I just find it just purely as a just someone who's fascinated by food. Just this whole creative process about how you try and recreate these tastes just by through innovation and just through really interesting processes is, is really interesting to me. But then in doing some of the research on this project, I just found that so one of my I said, my mission is to help people with amazing stories do a better job of it. And I've noticed particularly with vegan brands where your customer's really passionate, really care who they buy from, really care what they put into their bodies. And I've just seen so many vegan brands doing such a bad job of communicating this and building the community around it when really, I mean there is no more passionate community than the plant-based vegan community so yeah i'm just having a lot of conversations around that and, and alcohol free as well because uh as someone who like used to like a drink alcohol free changed my life a bit really I'd, I'd say it's really helped me massively reduce my alcohol consumption and again i just find it very exciting and innovative so that and 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 am looking to hire because i've learned the hard way as a creative you try and do it all on your own you think that Hiring will make life more difficult, but I've learned the very hard way that I cannot, because I want to start launching courses as well. I but launched some pilot courses recently. I, I love teaching and, again, helping independents and smaller people who can't afford my services to uh, to share their story too. But it all comes back to getting help. Um, so that's my challenge. Yeah. About, yeah.
0: Well, I, do you live and learn, right? The um, the uh, and this, if you're if you're getting busier and busier, then that obviously that makes sense. But I absolutely hear you on the the low and no category and drinks is just on such a monster trajectory. We, the theory behind this is that the um, the next generation coming through are not drinking, basically, or certainly not to the level that you and I might have done when we were eighteen years old. And as a result, as you say, people are having to innovate in that space and actually this drink that i'm drinking today is is a fermented tea
1: nice
0: yeah and i um i wouldn't five years ago (laughs) not that i'd have been (laughs) sat here drinking a beer right now
1: (laughs) yeah nothing wrong with
0: that At half past four in the afternoon and the sun's out but uh yeah it's just it makes sense right my wife and i always talked about the fact that our generation used to look at the generation before us who were massively in you know smokers and we used to look at them and go you know how stupid were they the generation now I think we always then talked about people would look at the same view as sugar and think how stupid were we to you know be so sugar orientated for so long but now we're in a situation whereby it's it's alcohol right is the people are looking at it going why are you putting this thing in your body when you know there's a, a healthier option out there
1: yeah, no, hundred no, percent. It's um, it's it's exciting, and I think kind of making the world. Yeah, I think makes the world better. People don't need to, especially English people. We don't need to be all that drunk all the time. It doesn't. It doesn't no.
0: help us. No, indeed, certainly. We need a. We need to strengthen our reputation overseas at the moment, <laughs> not uh, not yeah. weaken it. Um, but that's a story for another day. I think. Um, from your uh, career so far, your travels. Have you got any? I would like to ask this of everyone because for me, fun is such a, a big part of life. Do you have any uh, funny stories that you could share with us from your time on this planet so far?
1: Yeah, I, again, just thinking what what I'm willing to share. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, I
0: could do some work. I think of maybe some work stuff, but I, yeah, I, I have to think a bit more about
1: personal about what, I, what I'm willing to share.
0: No, that's cool. That's cool. I yeah. um, it is it's a it's a kind of underlying theme. I'm gonna have to think of a different way to word it, but in this industry so many things happen but none of them are really shareable in a public domain but yeah. but that's also life right stuff happens you just yeah. dust yourself down and get on with it
1: i'm just thinking i could share some some funny things that i've done from my professional experiences
0: yeah yeah um, yeah go for it
1: feel free to edit them out if they <laughs> if they're not if they're not funny um but just actually when i worked with my, my first um my first restaurant gig was helping chicken sours launch their new qsr which was a now called Chicken Shop was then called Chicken, and I was given full creative license. And again, I was late. I was a complete outsider, and we used to have a lot of fun. We ended up getting cease and desists from KFC, from Nando's, from Panda Express in the US for sort of copy for copyright and for just for you sort of playing around with their names, just having fun. All very polite, and we always responded. And then I remember once, which I did, they I. I'd love to say there was a purpose behind this, but I think at that time as well, I was just a lot about making noise and getting controversy. So it was a fried chicken restaurant and I managed to source some chicken feet and then found a nail salon and got the nail salon. I mean, it took a lot of searching to paint the nails of the chicken and then put nail jewellery on. They got a photographer and did a whole food photo shoot sort of putting these, uh, th- these, these chicken feet in, sa- in burgers and, and in fry packs. I think it horrified a lot of people, including the investors.
0: All oh, right,
1: um, but it, yeah, and I don't know if there was a bit controversy for the sake of it. But uh, it was a lot of stuff like that. was a lot of fun, and so well, maybe like anyway. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I'm gonna do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I suppose then you have to ask the question: Is it true what they say around about all publicity is good publicity? Whatever perception that may be of of that thing.
1: I've you know I I've, I've reflected as I said in the beginning I was very much about social media you've got to pattern interrupt you've got to you've got to break people's pattern when they're scrolling it's about as I've gone through it more there is a thing of controversy for the sake of it and I think the more I do my brand work now it's it's about your values like is this is this actually related to anything a higher purpose that we believe in which could be and if it is like innovation or being edgy or challenging perceptions fine you know if it's sharing a value but if it's just like I see it a lot with the fast food brands, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so funny what they're doing on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, what else are you going to say about a Big Mac? So you're going to drown people in these memes and GIFs and fun stuff. But ultimately, these aren't edgy brands. They're not very purpose driven. They're not particularly funny. And then it just feels a bit tacked on and not, I mean, that's again that's always my opinion. But yeah, there is a thing as controversy for the sake of it as, as, I, as I go through yeah. this, this journey.
0: What's your, uh, what's your take on using humor? in marketing and the reason i asked that is because i properly got facebook marketed to the other day it's up you know i was scrolling as people do and um i got interrupted by it was a soap actually i can't even remember the name of it off the top of my head but it was doctor something and the the advert drew me in like within seconds and the advert is hilarious it's just it's it's wonderfully hilarious. Certainly appeal appealed to my humour. So now in my head, I'm feeling like, I feel like I want to give this brand a go because it feels like they have absolutely worked hard on getting this messaging certainly across in a way that I could relate to. Um, do you think that humour has its place in marketing?
1: I'd say you can't, these days, you can't do marketing without humour. Um, really? It, it depends on the brand. Of course it depends on the brand. If you're a three-star Michelin restaurant, you're not going to be again you're not going to drown people in gifts yeah but people you've got to meet people where they are people go to social media to be primarily entertained but also to be educated and inspired and so what they did there they just triggered an emotion on you and so yeah like but i'd say if a three star mission restaurant is is on social media and especially with tiktok being the future you can still have a bit of fun around it. Like if it's just serious face all the time, it's, it's fine, but it's not what people want to go to social media for. So you can, you can balance it up a bit. I know, again, just from using a very good ads partner for, for some of the restaurants I've worked with, the ones where, we, again, because you've got not even a second to stop people in their tracks, using humour, those ads where we were really quite outrageous and bold in what we were saying always did far better. Uh, right. So I think in that instance, definitely use you, you want to grab people's attention. Use humor and just because I just decided to, to go back as well. I think one of the issues is you have if, if there's a line at a one end. Let's say you've got the fast food change, the fast food chains. They don't have much purpose. There's not really much substance there, and they just but they're doing they're smart, so they do all this fun stuff and putting all their money into the fun stuff. At the other end of the line, you've got let's say the, the Patagonias of this world or. Let's say let's make a food example, like Silo, like a, a zero, you know, the zero waste restaurant in London. Yeah. Very purpose driven, but so many other restaurants are just in the middle because it's so neutral, and they just they're too scared. Look, it's hard being funny. It takes it's an investment, and you need the right person to do it. But they they won't go the funny route because they're too scared to do that, and they won't go the purpose route because they're too scared to do that. So it's just very neutral in between space, and no one goes to no one no one signs up to a newsletter, no one goes onto social media. For neutral ultimately buy my shit type messages. You know? Yeah. It's, so that's yeah, yeah. that's the issue. So you really pick a lane, you know, have fun with it. Go purpose driven. Ideally a bit of both. But being neutral, no one wants that.
0: Yeah. I mean that makes total sense. And I I, I suppose as well, then that's that's probably the, the business slash founder's own limiting beliefs coming into play as again, right? They're they're struggling to take themselves outside of their comfort zone. If humor doesn't yeah. come naturally to them, or the values, and they haven't really truly figured out what that is, um, because sometimes you need help, right, to help draw that out yourself as to the reason why you do something.
1: A hundred percent, and it's not look, it's not fair because a lot of operators and founders do this because they wanted to create amazing food and make people happy with that, not to make videos of themselves dancing on TikTok. Yeah. But <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, that's, I don't know, the whole Reels TikTok thing, I'm a, that's not me, but I can't fight. If I fight that, I'll sound like a dinosaur. Like, that is the way the world's going, whether I like it or not. If I was to launch a brand tomorrow, yeah. and that's where my customers are. Um, but it's like, as I've learned myself the hard way, it's why, you know, I have an amazing business coach, is if you really struggle with it, then get help, really,
0: yeah. rather than just I, I to mean, plug
1: on and keep doing the same things that don't get results.
0: Totally. And you're applying that in your own business as well, right? So you're kind of, um, I couldn't agree more. I think we're, we're as uh, as founders, we're sometimes a little bit too proud to ask for help to plug the gaps where we don't have the natural skill set because you can't be good at everything, right? It's just impossible. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk to you about uh, building a tribe because that's something that you, you, fo- you talk a lot around uh, in terms of that's what you're actually looking for. You're looking for people to... Effectively be part of your tribe in terms of what your your product or service stands for, etc. Again, without giving too much away, without you know going on a retainer for the, all of the listeners today. But um, what does that process involve? How do you how does people get started in that? Other than so, retaining your services, of course.
1: Of course, well that's a great it's a great place to start. But um, yeah, <laughs> you, can also, you can also choose to do it yourselves. Um, and actually, I'd say for a lot of people. Even just taking, everyone's so busy, just take half a day or a day to do the work will give you so much benefit than just blindly rushing forward, trying to communicate without doing the work. So the first step is you've got to do the work on your brand, who you are, who you are, who your customers are, why they should choose you. Number one, the absolute foundation, your substance, what makes you authentic. And I know this is where a lot of brand people roll their eyes. This other the brand guy charging us twenty grand for this these words that are meaningless, but they're not. They 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 have a lot of meaning, but you have to when I work with people as well, it's a problem a lot of brand agencies will give you sort of one slide on tone of voice, one slide on content pillars and your values. For me, it's like you have to be able to will do them, but can you demonstrate these every day? Yeah. How are you demonstrating them? And are you willing to do hard, uncomfortable things? do them as well because to them to be authentic you have to do things for your community based on who you are and and they and they can be hard and they can cost take time and they can cost money so the the first step is doing the work on who you are and your substance the second point this is really my my superpower and speciality is then building a framework for the messages you want to be known for and the story framework what are the things you're going to talk about because we all know The frustrations, which is what I hear every day, of staring at that blank marketing calendar of what the hell do I do next? Well, if you had a plan, then you know what to do next. So the first part, doing the work, get your framework, get your framework for who you are, framework for your message and story. And then the next part is you have to do things for your community. And this feels very counterintuitive, but it's all those small human touches that really... Create that community that, that really for, that, that that create the community of, 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 of diehard fans that will stay with you for life, and that's what a lot of people overlook. And it can it can be small things like getting sharing your journey on Instagram and getting people to interact with new menu items or. You know, even just making people, like, like, just making people smile on on, an, on a mail or when they sign up to your newsletter or on the booking form, but then other things as well, like whether it's things for your community or how you treat your team or just surprising and delighting your customers. Those, you know, I've done I've done events before for um, some of the clients I've worked with, and for me, there is no higher point of a brand than watching people that love your brand come together to share that passion. You know that those bonds, they're customers for life, and they're going to bring more people in. So that is a really key part as well. And again, and then just keep telling that real human story is, is 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 what's so essential because that's what people are going to connect with. And that's when I look at the brands and there are not many in hospitality to do this, but the difference in engagement from the brands that really, again, run their page like it was their personal page, but still a professional bias to it, to the others that are just doing neutral is, is night and day, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. I, I mean, I think that's... Pretty much it, to be honest. The, the um, what, what's what's coming next for you? You mentioned that you've you've got um, courses in the offing that you want to focus on that, but you need to hire somebody to free up your yep. time to to get in stuck into all that. But um, what does uh, the rest of twenty twenty two hold for you?
1: So yeah, so hope so hopefully to make the hire, hopefully get a few vegan and alcohol free brands um, launching my co- launching some courses as well for the for the smaller for more startups and smaller independents. That I'd be very happy with that. And my my dream is to be able to go on holiday next year and still make money. So that's my kind of business goal, which I can which I won't be able to do without a team because I just, you know, as you go through that journey, you start thinking again: Am I just, am I keeping repeating the same things, or how can I progress? And for me, I feel that to put the system in place that whether it's my team making money or other investments, so that's that's a real. I think hopefully realistic goal for me next year.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds like that's absolutely achievable. And um, I, uh, no, I, I massively appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and some interesting tidbits to, um, to kind of whet the appetite. Everything you talked about makes complete sense. If people want to get a hold of you to learn more about what you do and how you might be able to help them, what's the best method for them to do to do that?
1: Sure. Um, I'm brand story down on Instagram, but I'm not super active on that anymore. So LinkedIn is probably the best place. So just Dan Nash, stupid picture of me eating a burger. And I also have my um, pattern interrupt, obviously. Uh, yeah. And um, I have my cult brand mail, where which is um, a bimonthly mail where I just share inspiration and advice on how to get more love from your customers. And you can sign up at brandstories.club for that. And I also offer, I always have a few free workshops to uh, help people out. If what I'm saying is spinning you out and you want a bit of clarity, then uh, send me, yeah, hit me up and we can do a workshop and give you some clarity.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dan. Massively appreciate your time and uh, wish you all the very best with your plan for the, for the year ahead. And uh, maybe we'll come back and do another chat in a year's time to see uh, how that plan mapped out.
1: Uh, well, I, I really enjoyed this chat. So I would absolutely love that. Thanks again for having me
0: fantastic no problem at all have a good one and there we have it another great career journey from Dan it took him a while to find his place but it's clear that he has done exactly that I wish him continued success I'll be back again next Wednesday at 8pm telling more stories from the awesome humans within hospitality but until then thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week